0: Our Constitution, Constitution of the United States, is a good thing, right? It's a good government setup as a whole. I mean, we're 300 years in, and it's been pretty good. Well, John Adams said at kind of the beginning, he said that the Constitution wasn't able to govern a people who did not, who were not controlled by a moral and religious fabric. Now, that's a very poor um rendition of what he actually said but basically that the people governed by the constitution were going to have to have a moral and religious fabric in their lives because the constitution wasn't actually able to govern people at that level it was for people who were governed by that and sometimes i think we look at we look at our at our church structure and We, we want to, to know, you know, is, well, how, how old does it need to be or how young or how, however you want to say it, but what's it trying to say to us? What's the, what's the message that it's trying to portray and how do we relate to that message? And so I've been listening through the Old Testament, just told you about that the other day, finished up today, by the way, I'm into the New Testament. Um, but there are some some verses in Zechariah that really caught my eye. Uh, Zechariah chapter eleven, for God says, "For indeed I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off, nor seek the young, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those that still stand. But he will eat the flesh and the fat, and tear the hooves and and tear their hooves in pieces." It's a privilege to me to be the pastor here at Mabel Chapel. I am blessed by you as a congregation. The growth that I've seen here, the love that I've seen expressed here, keep up the good work. That's a blessing to me. Sometimes I worry a little bit, though, that as I'm preaching, as I'm interacting and stuff, I... You might get the idea that I'm saying, you know, we're not doing it right. We need to do something different. We need to do more. We need to do whatever. Well, the Bible talks about us as being a flock. And I'd like to use that illustration a little bit this evening. And the word pastor actually comes from the Latin word for shepherd. And we understand leadership in the kingdom of God that way as a shepherd. And my thought process often runs something like this. So I'm part of the flock. I'm a servant of the flock, but I'm part of the flock. So as I observe the flock, as I observe myself, I say, okay, where is the better pasture? How do we get there? And then I want to preach a message. And so I talk about that. Not because you all need need it, but because I need it, because we need it. We need to get to that better pasture. What if there's a tough trail to that pasture? You want me to tell you about it? I think you do. I know you do. But telling about the tough trail doesn't always sound like good news, does it? There's other things that could happen too. You know, there could be that precipice we could fall off of. There could be... um There could be that bramble patch out there that we could get tangled up in. There could be a roaring lion somewhere. There could be wolves in sheep's clothing. And I need that stuff every bit as much as you do. And so I preach to myself and I preach to you because I want to see us get to that better pasture. And I have been wanting to talk about something for a while and it has to do somewhat with the internet. specifically it has to do with social media. And um, I don't share it from a perspective of the fact that I think we're all tangled up in it here at Mabel Chapel. But I share it from a perspective of the fact that I think it's something we need to be aware of. And we need to understand what it does to us. Because that's part of what helps us to know that we shouldn't go there when it's a place we shouldn't go. So... I'm going to share some things and not all this is, is, is church related. This isn't just a pastor standing up here and saying, you better get scared. I'm pulling a lot of information from secular people who see problems and they're trying to get things into the Constitution to help deal with the issues they see coming with social media. So they're trying to make get the Constitution to govern. You see where I'm going with that? what I said about the Constitution earlier. And they really say it, what I've heard, they say that the tide really turned with social media around 2010. And after that, things started to curve downhill pretty sharply in relationship because of the capacity that it had, and a lot of it had to do with the like button. So in past civilizations, this is one aspect of it, in past civilizations... You had to be someone to be a hero. I mean, you had to do something pretty major. You had to be talented. You have to be gifted. You had to make your mark on the world to be a hero. What's the definition of a hero? A hero is essentially somebody that is known by a lot of people that they don't know. So when somebody becomes famous, word about them travels out. There's a lot of people that hear about them and hear about their exploits, but the person who is the hero doesn't know those people personally. That's kind of a rough framework, but let's think about it that way for a little bit. And there were only a handful of famous people, you know, in any civilization. Well, <clears throat> Ava is a 14-year-old TikTok star who lives in Florida. How many of you have heard this story? You've heard this story. Okay. So an 18-year-old man from Maryland became obsessed with her. When she cut off communications with him, he began stalking her, eventually coming to her her home. Her father shot and killed the young man after he fired a shotgun through their front door. Ava felt the good of her social media interaction outweighed the bad, primarily that she gets a thrill every morning at the amount of likes on her latest video. Even though the bad was an obsessed young man attacking their daughter, Ava's parents are allowing her to continue her TikTok account and build her brand. The secular commentator relating this story finished with this. Parents need to be looking down the road for their children from a vantage point that is not accessible to their child. Parents are older. They can see the world from different lenses that a 14-year-old can't see the world through. It seems gross and negligent on the part of Ava's parents, but compared to other parents who allow their children to pursue fame on social media they are worse only by degrees, not by kind. This, this is what, That's what the commentator said. He said, but compared to other parents who allow their children to pursue fame on social media, they are worse only by degrees, not by kind. So it's the same type of gross negligence to allow your child to pursue fame on social media as it is for Ava's parents to allow her to continue to pursue fame on social media. It's a worse situation for her because she's a lot more famous. A measure of fame can be acquired. Now, this is my own own stuff. I'm leaving the commentator behind. A measure of fame can be acquired by anyone with a social media account. We become known by people who we ourselves do not know. All you have to do is offer yourself as a spectacle and have others, for whatever reason, take you up on that offer. So the more significant the spectacle you make, possibly the greater of a thing you'll be, and the more people will grab that offer, for whatever reason, and you'll be famous. One man said that fame on social media is similar to a lottery winner. The fame can be acquired with no discipline, and those who achieve it do not know how to handle its negative side. So... There's a measure of fame that comes along with social media. You need to develop. If you're going to be known by people who don't know you, you're going to have to have a measure of discipline in your life that, that where that is actually earned, not where it comes with no discipline and no, in some cases, bad behavior, not good behavior. I'd like to talk a little bit about the psychology that's driving social media. Those people who run the social media platforms... They're making money by selling ads. What if you had a product to sell and you could send it to primarily the people who are interested in your type of product? So you have something that you want to sell and you can send ads for that only to the people who want that type of thing. Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and other similar platforms are using artificial intelligence to gather data from you constantly. The longer they can keep you online, the the longer they have to expose you to more content that will ulti- ultimately make them more money. So they want you to stay online as long as possible because that's how they sell ads. They then channel the advertisement and news feeds to you that best match the data you're consuming. So they do all that with artificial intelligence. They gather all this data. They pack it all up in a nice little bundle, and they send it out to you. Whatever you want, that's what you start getting. Whatever you're searching, those ads come up. That's done by artificial intelligence behind the scenes. Two things happen because of that. One of them is it makes you think that the issues you focus on are hugely important in the world. So if every time you open up your browser and and look at something before you know it, There's this whole array. Oh, there's all these other people too that are all interested in this. And look, they even have ads about it. Well, that leads to polarization. I'll come back to that. The second thing that happens is it provides you a trail to follow that feeds your interest exclusively, and that leads to addiction. So what does this mean for us? The appeal is to consumption rather than development. So the appeal of following those trails, those two trails I just laid out for you, is to consumption, not to development. That's what appeals to you about that. Another way to say it would be it feeds your appetite and not your strength. It circumvents the natural process to feed your reward system. Well, what do I mean by that? Sugar is a good example of that. So in years past, what did we get sugar from? before we could refine it and separate it. Fruit, honey, where'd that come from? You went out and found it. And when you got it, it wasn't concentrated. It was in the fruit, it was in the honey. And so you, and it was limited. So you added it to your stuff to sweeten it up. But because of technology, we've been able to extract sugar And add it to nearly everything we eat. That maximizes your reward circuit. What's happened as a result? In the developed world, obesity is a leading cause of death. What does that mean? Essentially, it means that we're extracting the reward from the exercise and discipline that the reward circuit was meant to promote. So we have a circuit. We have a a reward at the end. But it took exercise and discipline in years past to get sugar. And now it doesn't. So we can go straight to the sugar bowl. And we can go straight to the sugar and we can get it. And what happens then is that we gain too much weight because we're eating too much sugar. And there's a problem with that. It doesn't develop us. For instance, you can gain a whole lot... You can, get, you can gain weight with sugar but it's not developed weight it's not muscle you can do a whole lot better with a balanced diet so how does social media how does social media connect with this well youtube is this to real experience porn is this to sexuality Social media is this to relationships. Online shopping is this to exploration. Now, you can ask me about any one of those if you want to know how that connects later. And that's fine. I'd be happy if you did. But I brought up these two things about how these big platforms are pushing forward polarization and addiction. Polarization and addiction give us a dopamine hit. That is an actual physical reaction of your body to those things. When you see something that's polarizing or you see something that is addicting, it gives you a dopamine hit, and that's a reward. Your body connects that with a reward, and so it it wants to go back, and it wants to go back, and it wants to go back, and it wants to go back. Have you ever... Felt yourself, I have felt myself with that pull with the internet. Have you felt yourself with that pull with the internet? All of a sudden, an hour is going. But the big deal is more than the loss of time, it breaks our circuit, and we are not able to fully develop healthy relationships. And that's beyond just relationships with the world. I mean, with people, that's like relationship with reality, relationship with other people, relationship with God. It breaks down our capacity to have relationship, proper relationships. And it's not that it's that you just don't develop them. The problem is that you can't develop them when you're caught in that broken cycle. You have to get out of that cycle to be able to develop healthy relationships. And as these sites channel... <clears throat> oh, I don't want don't to miss this. So the one secular source uh, where I got some of this information called these appetites our lower nature. Not connected with Christian as far as I know at all. But basically, they said it's the part of us that is not developmental. They appeal to the part of us that's not developmental. So the problem is, people aren't developing properly. So we have a lot of people in our country who are hooked on internet for one means or another, under one, at one level or another, and they're not properly developing as people. And that's a problem for our society. And they want to fix that problem. Okay? But we have a deeper reason than what they do. Because we want our development to be more than just development of learning. We want our development to be development spiritually. Here's the other thing that happens. As these sites channel our interest, it offers us more and more radical views on the subject. And we can quickly become obese in a specific line of thinking. Radical slants take... Sorry. Radical slants often misrepresent the opposite side. So the more radical stuff you feed on, the more that the other side is mischaracterized and the more imbalanced you become. We find our connection, we quickly find our connection with the online community with whom we agree and reject those close to us who God placed there to balance us out. And if you, you don't have to look very far into American politics right now, or American society, you can see this happening at an alarming rate. And do not think that we are immune to these things. <coughs> and I'll give you an example of that. I don't know how many times, and I'll say this is from both sides, I don't know how many times during the the, the time of COVID that I saw... Umpteen links to watch this video to hear about X side or X side. That's polarization. That's stuff to try to pull people to one side or to the other side. Okay, I want to address directly a couple different forms of social media quickly. TikTok and Snapchat. Ditch them. They are built around sensuality and fame. Two things that we really don't need at all. Yes, maybe if you use Snapchat long enough, you can kind of work your way out of the sensual content, but why spend so much time weeding your way through the sensual content to get there? Now, I have not spent a lot of time, very much time at all. Maybe some of you can better educate me with some of that stuff, but the secular world is highly warning us, especially about TikTok. And I know some about Snapchat and it can be used somewhat responsibly, but there's, I think, better messaging apps. Twitter. Again, not something I have a lot of connection with, but it's an insult playground for a lot of the world. Instagram. Instagram has taken a, taken a fairly severe downward turn in the past couple years. And a big part of my reason for, for pointing that out is the fact that it has become infected by a thing called porn bots. And it's increasingly so. Basically what that is is links to um, blog sites that have sensual content on them. And because it's a blog site, it's not filtered by your filter. So if you follow that link, it'll take you right into sensual material. Facebook. It's a great place to spend hours looking at people and things with whom you have no real connection. Their video content is largely sensual. And content posted by a majority of people who do not share our faith and practice uh, is also very much of that sensual and patriotic. The time spent with Instagram and Facebook friends is time taken away from people with whom you could have meaningful relationships. And so here's my encouragement and recommendation to you. I highly recommend that you limit your social media use to those with whom you have meaningful relationships. And if you cannot discipline yourself to... Keep your social media use on those platforms to that level. Just delete your account because you want to have deep relationships. And I'll get back to that in just a little bit. WhatsApp is the best messaging app that I'm aware of. I love WhatsApp. It works great in a lot of different ways. But I want to share something with you about statuses. Now, I've posted statuses, okay? And I haven't seen anything, and i connected with a lot of you people here in Mabel, so I see your statuses too. And I haven't seen anything that's objectionable or I think is a problem. But I want you to think about a concept that lays underneath of your experiences with your family and friends. The value of a memory is best retained when kept with those who shared the experience. I'm going to read that again. The value of a memory is best retained when kept with those who share the experience. When experience goes too quickly to posting status, those participating become the object of our status instead of the individual that made the moment special. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to post a status, but what value do you put, and how do you keep the value of the special things that happen to you, as friends and family, how do you keep that value? Because there, there are literally precious moments in life. Are you going to keep those moments precious between you and the person with whom you shared the experience? And I think largely that has to do with your own the value that you have within your own heart in relation to that experience. Okay, just something for you to think about. YouTube. Did you know that YouTube is the second largest search engine on the Internet? Everything is going to video very rapidly. There's reasons for that. Video is the way God designed us to interact with the world. Our eyes are the camera. Our minds are the screen. But how many of you would like for me to put a GoPro on my head that sees the same things that I see. And you would have the patience to sit down and watch my life unfold before my eyes. Now, as I was sitting at my computer desk today, working on this, I was getting up every once in a while, going to the window. So basically for about an hour and a half or more, you'd have been seeing like this blurry scene. and I'd go over and you'd look down into my pasture field. Maybe there'd be a crow down there or something. And then you'd see another blurry scene and come back and there'd be my computer screen again. We don't watch that kind of videos, do we? God did not intend for our every bit of our life to be aggressively exciting. And that's what's pulling you in to YouTube videos. It's the excitement. It's the newness. It's the intensity. Those are the things that are pulling you in. So you might want to watch a video of my five most exciting moments, right? As long as it was less than 30 seconds each. So here's the problem. If that's the kind of stuff we feed on, then that's what we're going to expect life to be. Is that real life? That's not real life. See where I'm going with that? It disconnects us with real life. That's what video does. I'd say if we have a weakness as people, it's more in the area of video than it is in the area of social media. Per se, Facebook, Instagram. not saying we don't have an issue there, just saying my larger concern is about video. I'm not going to take the time to read what it says in our rules and discipline about video. But on page 34, you can look it up, it says that legitimate uses for video are business and instructional. And I would like to encourage you that if you do not make a conscious effort to uphold and exceed this standard, you will ne- be negatively affected by video. But you're going to have to be disciplined about it yourself. Video and computer games do essentially the same things, to ch- especially to children. Don't let your children play video games, Please. Not because video games are sinful, but because they will not develop properly. Guaranteed. Do not use video for a babysitter. Your children will not develop. My dad never told me that. And I don't mean that as any offense. I mean that as the fact that the world is changing and we need to be aware of those changes and how they will affect us as people. Do you listen to podcasts? Intake of information, This is where John was earlier today, intake of information is mind-forming. What do you listen to? What is the source? Where does it come from? Is it reliable? Is the information you're getting actually factual? Or is it somebody's opinion? Have you ever looked at a news article and up in the top corner it says opinion? That is somebody's opinion. That is not particularly fact. It's how someone understands the situation and often it's pretty easily seen as politically biased based on their perspective. And essentially that's how all material is, biased in some way. But especially for those who are young in faith, the reliability of sources is extremely important for people who don't have a solid foundation to be able to say that's not true. So be careful what you listen to on podcasts. All right, I'm past my half hour. So I got to wrap this up. So God put those physical circuits, reward circuits in place to take us to something beyond the physical, the deeper relational part of our being. And I looked today and I couldn't find it, but one of those little square sandwich Tupperware containers that holds a sandwich holds about two cups of water. And I got a drinking glass and I thought this drinking glass will hold about the same amount. You know, it's quite a bit taller than a little Tupperware container. And one cup almost filled it up. They only hold about 12 ounces, so 12 versus 16. So you'd have to have a drinking glass about this tall, about this tall to match one sandwich container of the same amount of volume. We as people have a limited capacity. We have a limited capacity of time. We have a limited capacity of informational intake. We have a limited capacity of relationships. You cannot have infinite relationships and they will all be good. So the question is, what are you going to be? Are you going to be broad and shallow? Or are you going to be confined and deep? And you see, we have deeper need than just to have those reward circuits met. We have a need for deep relationships that are filled with love and harmony and peace. And it takes keeping those relationships reasonably small, reasonably few, and digging deep in those relationships to find the satisfaction and fulfillment in life that we all long for. And the reason why people keep scrambling and scrambling to get more and more of those dopamine hits is because they think that somewhere out there, if I get enough dopamine hits, I'll find that fulfillment that I crave. And what they don't know is they're just getting wider and wider and wider and shallower and shallower and shallower. Brothers and sisters, the Internet's not going away. I think John said that earlier. We live in a world that has a lot of choices. I've shared with you quite a few things Today, that aren't specifically in the rules and discipline. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to say, well, that's good ideas, but... Nah. I think I'll not make any changes in my life. Five years down the road, we have a huge problem with some things. And we say, okay, well, the only thing left to do is to make a rule about it. we're, (laughs) We're not stopping this thing, so the only thing left to do is make a rule about it. My point is this. Very much like John Adams said, the church structure is not meant to control the desires of people. It's meant to point us in a direction. Look at the statement in our rules and discipline about what it says about internet and social media usage and ask yourself seriously, what is this trying to say for all of my internet usage? It doesn't have to be a rule on it if you can only live up to the standard, if we say the standard is the highest bar we're going to live up to, I think we're going to be pretty much of a failure with the internet. So we've got to make some decisions about whether we're going to be disciplined people, whether we're going to discipline our desires, or whether we're not. Let's climb together. Because I can tell you right now that the pull of the internet is real. And I'm dealing with something personally has to do with educational-related stuff. has to do with billboard evangelism stuff. But I've researched some stuff. It's helped me. But there's a pull there that says, go back to that video, go back to that video, go back to that video. And I'm having to say, no, I'm not doing it. And it has to happen right here. So it's me too. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. I'm preaching at all of us. It's something real in our lives, and we're going to have to deal with it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being people who love the Lord. Let's go together.